Welcome to the blackout where I get to talk to amazing people who do amazing things and today I've been trying to get this happen but your schedule is insane <laughs> so but thanks for making time today and I have Raina the Halifax moderator of the podcast today thanks for coming on thank you so much for having me I'm really excited to be here and uh, share my mermaid journey with your fans okay okay so let's just let's just start with how did it begin yeah, yeah. So it didn't start like this, this big costume I've got with me here. Um, I went to school to become a teacher and I got my first degree in child and youth development. And while I was doing that, I was dealing with really extreme chronic pain and chronic illness that was going undiagnosed. Yeah. It's very difficult when you have sort of a collection of symptoms to narrow it down and figure out what was going on. Mm. I was very depressed. And I think I was like... 21 or 22, just couldn't keep up with my peers, couldn't go and do fun things, was kind of failing at a university, even though I'm one of those people who's usually like an A-plus student, mm. and just really felt like I had nothing good going on in my life. And when you deal with chronic pain, it can kind of become cyclical, where the things you need to do to feel better will actually make you feel worse before you feel better. So things like physiotherapy can be very difficult. So I had no motivation to get better. Mm. I was in bed and I was watching a movie and this film came on, Splash. Mm. It's from 1984, Tom Hanks and Daryl Hannah. She's a mermaid. And I found myself wondering, how the heck did they do that mermaid tale? Because this is 1984. Underwater videography is so, so new, mm. and CGI is not really a thing. So I started Googling because I thought this woman had to, this has to be a costume. Mm. And sure enough, it was. And I started reading about how Daryl Hannah is actually autistic, and she was dealing with a lot of things in her life at the time. Mm. And she really wanted this role. They wanted it to go to an actress, but then have a stunt double do all the swimming. Mm. And she was like, no, no, I have been swimming as a mermaid since I was a child. I would keep <laughs> my feet together and, and do everything. So they would put her up against these, these actresses that were like professional underwater performers and she'd beat them every time. So wow. she, she won the right basically to mm -hmm. swim in this like 60 pound urethane rubber costume. And they flew her down to like the Caribbean and she would swim between, there would be a diver out of shot and she'd swim between the two divers on a single breath of air in this costume to give this beautiful illusion of the mermaid. Mm. And I was just like, pun intended, hooked. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this is the most beautiful, graceful thing I've ever seen in my life. Mm. How can I do it? <laughs> oh my God. It wasn't just like you wanted to see it admired it. You actually wanted to do it. I just, and it's really funny because let me tell you, I actually could not swim very well at the time. And obviously I'm dealing with chronic pain and health issues. I didn't learn to swim until I was 17 years old because of these ongoing issues. Mm. And even then I could really just barely kind of swim and I needed a flotation device. Mm -hmm. uh, my husband and I joke because talking here with you, you know that this is now my job. I'm a professional mermaid. When he and I went on our first date 15 years ago, I drowned. <laughs> What? Because <laughs> I was not a good enough swimmer. No, no. <laughs> so we were swimming in the lake and and talking, and I'm a bit of a talker, and he's pretty quiet. And I was so nervous and excited for this date that I wasn't paying attention to how deep we were going. And I wasn't a good swimmer, so I started going under and started right, going under. Right, right. Oh, my God. And he was way ahead of me, and I was trying to keep up with him. <laughs> oh, my God. And finally, he realized I wasn't talking, and he mm. turned around, and I was underwater, and I'm looking up at the sky. <laughs> <laughs> through the water and I'm thinking this is it this is how I die <laughs> on a date <laughs> swimming <laughs> so he had to save me so so flash so flash back to like a, a few years after that when I'm seeing all this mermaid stuff and I started googling and I thought okay I know it's unrealistic to think that I can do what this Hollywood actress is doing but mm -hmm. you know I had dabbled in modeling and I thought maybe I could just find a, a pretty and affordable costume and, and get some pretty pictures that would really boost my confidence make me feel good mm. And while I was 
just out there in the land of Google, I discovered the first professional mermaid ever. Oh. And um, I actually have a tattoo of her here. Nice. Her name is Annette Kellerman. And even though you don't know her name, you know what she's responsible for. Because until Annette came along, women had to swim in dresses. What? And it was considered indecent. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So she was from Australia, but like in in many places, um, like pretty much all of North America at the time, you could not swim in in anything other than a dress. Modesty police would literally show up at the beach and measure to make sure your ankles weren't showing. If you, you know, were a it's woman. funny because I've seen those photos. Like I thought it was just like internet stuff. I should have googled it. It's just... crazy. It's crazy. So Annette, um, she had had the same chronic pain issues and health issues that I had. And at the time, the doctors also couldn't figure out what was going on. So this was the first thing um, that drew me to her after I realized that she, she did mermaid work. So she lived in the late 1800s into the early 1900s, and she started swimming as a way to cope with her chronic pain. And and swimming actually opened up everything for her. She started to become healthier, fitter. She coped with her pain and she realized she had an affinity for it. Mm. So she started beating men at contests, which was like a big no-no back then. <laughs> like uh, men's egos did not take, <laughs> take well to that. Uh, and she would do these diving contests and swimming contests. And then eventually she went on to star in films. And this is when the film industry is really just starting to get into something. So we don't really have um, talkies, as they were called, when, where you're actually hearing the person speak. So mm. it's it's music, it's text that comes up, and she's part of this generation that transitions into talkies, which mm. is really cool. And she makes a mermaid tail, and she's swimming in it, and she's doing all this crazy stuff. And on the side, she's trying to do these contests, and she makes this bathing suit that is the the basically what the modern-day women's bathing suit is based off of. And she gets arrested for wearing it. Wow. And she takes it to court, and she actually wins a compromise where the judge lets her wear her swimsuit as long as she wears uh, tights with it. <laughs> so we still can't see those... <laughs> Ever offensive legs, okay? Uh, but this swimsuit is sort of like the Marilyn Monroe style that got popularized by her her in the 50s. So, so, so Annette is doing all these crazy things. Um, she's winning all these contests. She's she's filming movies, and they're doing underwater filming through a glass, which has like never been done before. Mm. Early 1900s. Keep this in mind. She is uh, publishing books. She publishes a book trying to teach uh, women and anybody else who wants to learn how to swim because she realizes that women are not being encouraged sort of to be physically active. Mm. The the president at the time, because she immigrated into the, the United States, the, the president at the time was dealing with polio, the leftover effects of polio on his leg, and she's giving him fitness advice on his leg. Wow. And the more I read about this woman, the more I'm thinking, like, you overcame so much, and you didn't just overcome, you were thriving. You took this situation that you were given, mm. your painful legs, mm -hmm. the mobility issues that come with that, and it is now your life. You're this amazing swimmer. You're a mermaid. You're in aquariums. She invented what is now modern day synchronized swimming. And, and back then it was water ballet is, is what it was called. Mm. So she's just doing all these things. She stars in the first film that cost a million dollars to make. It's mind. It's just mind blowing. Mm. So I'm sitting there, I'm taking this all in and I'm thinking, well, what about me? Like I, <laughs> I, if she could do this back then, I need to be able to do even a fraction of this. Like I, I'm sure I can do it. I just, I need, I need some motivation. Mm -hmm. And chronic leg pain was my main symptom that I was dealing with. It was very debilitating. There was concerns that I might have MS and uh, I thankfully that was ruled out, but there was a period of time where we were talking very seriously about that at 21 years old. That's hard to cope with. Mm -hmm. uh, and just walking felt like my bones were breaking. I felt like I was walking on glass and, and, and every step I took would cause so much pain. Mm. And in my research of this, this mermaid world, I read the original Hans Christian Andersen story. And in it, when the mermaid exchanges everything to get her legs, the sea witch tells her, you'll have your legs, but they're going to hurt every time you take a step and they're going to feel like they're breaking. There's an actual line. So here's another parallel right. of, the <laughs> of the universe, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So I do some research online and I find a, uh, a, a costume 
it's not like a Halloween costume. It's something people would use maybe for photo shoots. Nothing like like what I've brought to share with you today. Mm. It actually kind of looked like a little fetishy. <laughs> like, okay, so it was made of stretch vinyl, which looks like uh, the fake latex. Mm. So it, it was bright orange. Orange is my color. It's my jam. And it just, like, it was extremely, extremely simple. And I was like, okay, that's all I need. And I order it and I wait and wait and wait and it's coming from the United States. And even back then, it's online ordering is kind of a, you know, this is like 15 years ago. So this is, you know, it's not the easiest thing to do. Mm -hmm. I continued researching and I found, I think, three people who did this as a job around the world. And that was it. And of course, I was just glued to their content, reading everything I could. And, and I found out that inside these tales, you're supposed to have something called a monofin. And a monofin is an actual fin that's commercially made. It's sort of in the shape of a mermaid fin. If you can imagine two swim fins put together, mm. free divers use them. It's a type of diving that I do, which I'll talk about later. Well, you do free diving. Yes, yes. That so. is one of the scariest things that, that and the people that do diving, but under the ice. Yes. Those are the two scariest things I've seen people do on TV. Really? Because <laughs> like you, you, there's no, if you, that's people right. die. That's true. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah, well, we can talk about that. Um, so just like the fin that they use is the fin that they're recommending you put in these mermaid costumes. Mm. And I couldn't get one anywhere, oh. uh, like in Canada at all. I couldn't get anyone to ship me anything. I went around to all the local scuba shops here. I was known as the girl looking for the fin. <laughs> and, you know, 15 years later, some of these, these owners joke with me, like, I had no idea it would turn into this when you were asking me for this fin. So the best I could do was just two regular swim fins that you would use for scuba diving. And when this tail came, I just put the two fins in, in the pocket that's shaped like a mermaid tail. No idea what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> so we take this costume when it arrives, we take it to a lake that my, my aunt very luckily has a little cottage on in Chester. It's a beautiful day. My poor husband has a migraine, but he's sitting on the dock to supervise me, make sure I'm safe. I still can't swim, folks. I still don't know what I'm doing. I put a life jacket on because I'm terrified <laughs> of drowning. So I've got a life jacket and I've got this fetishy looking orange tube that's got my legs together. Yeah. And I'm thinking, what am I doing? I look nothing like Daryl Hannah. This is nothing like Annette Kellerman. I'm going to die. <laughs> um, so I don't recommend trying your mermaid journey this way. Uh, there was not a lot of information back then. So mm. I get in the water and I, I just feel like an idiot. I'm, I'm trying to swim around. It's really awkward and weird. And because I don't have the right kind of fin, I can't really get the movement. Mm -hmm. And I realize that I'm extremely floaty, like very, very floaty. Even just if I stop moving, my whole body floats on the surface. Mm -hmm. So I am a, I'm a little less scared of drowning, but I'm also struggling to swim because I float so, so strongly. So I decide I can ditch, I can safely ditch the, the life jacket because I'm floating. Mm -hmm. And I just float there and I let my husband, he's my husband now, he's my boyfriend then. Can't believe he married me after all this. <laughs> <laughs> I, I let him take some pictures of me and my mood is kind of progressively going down and down. I was so excited for this experience yeah. and then it was so much harder. Okay. I'm one of those people, I want to be instantly good at it. <laughs> I'm sure there are people listening that identify with this, like if you're not instantly good at your new hobby, it's, then, it's yeah, difficult. So yeah. my motivation it's going down. Um, I realized after the fact, though, that I have no leg pain for the first time in like a year. So that was kind of motivating, but mm -hmm. I still kind of felt like an idiot. Like, what am I thinking? I'm 21, 22, whatever I am, and I'm trying to do this, and I look like an idiot, and this is stupid. And I get home and I see the pictures, and that is a mermaid. <laughs> the pictures are beautiful. Mm. It's uh, it's nothing like what I do today with the full-on costume and the accessories and the makeup. It's just this young girl with her orange mermaid tail floating on the surface of the water, but I look like a real mermaid. Mm -hmm. And the spark was just lit then. Then I was like, okay, I want to get better at this. I want to research it more. I want to get a better costume. Like, what do I need? 
I started going to a little hotel pool that was right next to where I lived and I would just practice swimming constantly. I would wear goggles and earplugs so that I wasn't distracted by the sensations mm. and I just wanted to work on the form and getting comfortable putting my head under. Mm. I would take a floaty, push it a little further each time, go under, swim to it and grab it. And I would keep trying it with the tail, but because of the fin, it wasn't working like it was supposed to. So it was more like I was dragging this thing with me, you know? Mm. This whole time I'm in school and I'm starting to get an outlet for my pain. I'm starting to get some progress with doctors. I finally start getting some diagnoses and getting medication and treatment that, that helps. So things are incrementally getting better. Mm. And I'm still sort of focused on my path. I'm gonna work with children. I'm gonna be a teacher. And I get through this first degree and I go into my second degree, which is a Bachelor of Education, because I really wanted to be an elementary school teacher. The whole time, I've been just experimenting with mermaids. I've been doing fun photo shoots. I've been practicing swimming. I found an artist to make me a new tail, and I had this amazing woman kind of decide to be an angel investor for me. At the time, I was documenting my journey on a website called DeviantArt, which sounds like very negative, but it's it's not. It was a, it's, it's a pretty awesome art with a lot of cool art. Yes, yes. So DeviantArt back then was in its prime. Mm. Everybody would put their art on there. And, and when they say deviant, they mean sort of to deviate from the norm, you mm. know? And I would get all this great feedback and I was sharing my mermaid journey. Like, I want to do this. I'm not sure who to talk to. Mm. And I found this costume maker. He was like, it's going to cost, you know, $1,100 American to make this costume. And I'm trying to fundraise and I'm scrimping and saving money. But I am doing a degree. I'm, I'm working two part-time jobs. I'm living on my own. It's very difficult to save any money. Mm -hmm. This woman who'd been following my journey the entire time, she said, look, I remember what it's like to be in my 20s and just sort of how hard life can be and you really just want to change your life and you, you just need a little boost to do that, so I'm gonna pay for your tail. Wow. Uh, I didn't even like know her other than to have her as a fan of, mm. my, of my art for so long. So Beverly, if you're listening, <laughs> you changed my life. <laughs> and I always think that she did that for me and I have made decisions now that I am in a place where I can help other people. I have made decisions to help others because she did that for me. I've invested in other people's art. I've given away my old mermaid tales to help someone else start their journey because Beverly believed in me and paid mm. for this for me. So Beverly did that and I got this realistic tale, which was awesome. And I started doing just little things on the side. I volunteered at Mount St. Vincent for their charity fundraiser they do every year. It's a little children's festival. And I wore my mermaid tail with a t-shirt because they didn't want to have anything inappropriate. So mm -hmm. I wore a t-shirt with it. And I volunteered and the kids loved it. And I would apply the things I was learning in my two degrees while I was working with the children. And something that really stuck with me when I was in my degree is the power of imagination as a learning tool mm. and how imagination can help children be set up for success and not just academic success or success in work, but success in life. And in life, we tend to rush children through phases. Mm -hmm. They're in preschool, parents are worried. They need to learn to write their letters. They need to do this. And it's like, actually, this is the perfect time for them to develop play as a learning skill. Let mm -hmm. them play. Let them have unstructured play. Let them use their imagination, play pretend, role play, things like that. Mm -hmm. And that really struck home to me. So I started putting that into my business. So. We fast forward a few years, I've been doing a few little gigs on the side, birthday parties, festivals. I graduate with my BED and there is no work for teachers. Not, not only is there no work for teachers, there's a transit strike, so you can't even get around to substitute very easily. Mm -hmm. um, there are actual blocks to new teachers getting into the field, just sort of roadblocks that they've set up to, to create a bit of a bottleneck to make it harder, wow. which is so ironic considering yeah, yeah. right now we need teachers desperately. Yeah. But this changed my whole course of life because I'd spent my whole life getting ready to be a teacher and I couldn't even substitute, let alone get a, a job. Mm. So it's like, what am I going to do? Um, I went to career counseling 
And they kept saying to me, why aren't you doing something with this mermaid thing? Like, it has so much potential. <laughs> mm. I didn't go to school and get two degrees to be a mermaid. <laughs> I was not about that. Um, and not only that, I didn't have confidence in my ability to run a business. I Yes, I had been doing this sort of on the side for fun, but I didn't have confidence in my skills. So they were like, you know, we can set you up with free mentoring. We can get you the skills you need. We really think that you should just take a year and, and, and try it. So my now husband and I, I said, listen, I'm going to do some grunt jobs for a bit to save some money so that I can kind of pay things down and, and everything. And would it be okay with you if we just took a year after I kind of set myself up and just let me try this, see mm -hmm. what happens. Mm -hmm. Well, it's been like <laughs> 14 <laughs> years now. So <laughs> it's been 10 years since that, but it's been 14 years of mermaiding. And, uh, and that is the verb, yes, mermaiding. <laughs> and now it's my life. It's amazing. It's just, it kept getting incrementally better and better and more and more experiences. And I just kept taking what I learned and, and putting it in. And when I went through bad things, I would channel my energy into it. Mm. And now it's just life-changing. It's wild. It's wild. What, what, what was the point where you knew that this could be, like, you know, pay the bills? Like, what, what was that point? What happened? I, um, I started getting really high-paid gigs, and then I won a $10,000 business grant. Oh. And I was up against thousands of other yeah, people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. Because those things are super competitive. Yes, and it was it was uh, shared online. So I was up against some really intense businesses, and I just tried to be sincere. I knew that if I didn't win, it wasn't a reflection of me because mm. there's other amazing mm. businesses. And when I got the phone call that we won that, I... It was like I saw colors. <laughs> like I, I couldn't believe it. And not only did we win it, but they told us out of their entire history of, of running this competition and the thousands of people who've won it, they had never had the amount of media and public interest for a winner as they had with us. Mm. So they wanted to sort of capitalize on that. We did mm. some filming with them. We hosted a local event. So instead of just sending us a check in the mail, they showed up with a giant check. <laughs> I have it on my wall, <laughs> $10,000 check. And, you know, back then, um, so this was 2015 when we won the $10,000 check. $10,000 went a long way. Mm -hmm. I was able to buy multiple costumes. Uh, I was able to train up and, and subcontract other mermaids so that we could, it wasn't just me and my husband, we could spread out. I bought costumes so that I could give children lessons. It was just mind-blowing. And then just all those little fees that you end up having to to pay i was able to buy more urls so that mm. if people searched us on google they could find you us guys, easier yeah. and, you know the wigs the makeup the makeup is underwater makeup it's not cheap it's, mm. it's meant to stay on underwater so it's very specialized and yeah it's just so that was one of the moments and i would say another moment where i felt like i made it is i got to do a music video for heather rankin from the rankin family i've seen that video yeah, she's amazing. <laughs> I grew up singing her songs in choir. Like, it was mind-blowing to meet her. Yeah. And I had to keep her safe underwater. She couldn't swim either. And she really, really, really wanted to do this underwater video. It had personal meaning to her. Mm. So I would dive down with Heather get out of the shot, let Heather act, come back in, grab Heather and bring her up for air. And I had to do that in the space of like 10 seconds, 20 seconds. Mm. And then I would also do all my mermaid stuff. Um, and my husband really got into the underwater video aspect. So they hired him as a subcontractor to film part of that video. Mm. So it was just really, that was a moment where I was like, I am doing a gig for someone I've idolized since I was a child. Yeah. Like, <laughs> okay okay no that makes sense so one thing that you do actually you know I, I mean your instagram is great you know all these beautiful photos and videos and reels and stuff and then i noticed that you like you said it wasn't just you <clears throat> so a friend of mine caitlin is one of your mermaids and like so if i'm like i'm i'm checking out instagram like i like this how what's the process to become one of yeah, I, okay, so first of all, I need mermaids. If you're watching this, mermaids, mermen, merfolk, we are open to everybody. I believe that children need to see themselves represented in who they're they're looking at when it comes to their entertainment and the people that they look up to. Mm -hmm. I am the very stereotypical 
European mermaid, right? I'm white, I've got the red hair, my look is very classically aerial, you know, that's just kind of how it is. It wasn't necessarily planned to be that way. Mm. I have so many clients who are not white and they deserve to see a mermaid or a merman that looks like them. And every time I've been able to do that for them by training somebody and, and putting them into that position, it has been such a wonderful emotional experience for that child. And mm. I just want to do more of that. So you can absolutely uh, apply to work with us. We have a Facebook, Halifax Mermaids, and we often have open applications. I have one open right now. We do um, prioritize minorities and people who can speak more than one language because we have clients who speak more than one language. Mm. And um, I don't want people to be put off if you are not a great swimmer because I can teach you that part. The important part to me is that you have the right personality for the clients. So a lot of our clients are children. So we want people who uh, like children. If you don't like kids, it's not going to work for you. <laughs> it, it, you know, it hasn't worked in the past when people, they love the idea of being a mermaid. They love the idea of the costume, getting the pretty pictures. That is such a small fraction of what we do. It is the fraction that gets us traction online, but mm -hmm. it is when it comes to the actual business, it's just a small component of it. I want somebody who can have a conversation with a kid, who can play with the kid, mm -hmm. who can encourage the kid. If we're doing a music video, I want someone who can be professional. It doesn't. You don't have to be the best swimmer. I can teach you that. Okay, so you can check out our our website HalifaxMermaids.com, and you can check out our Facebook, and also you can send me unsolicited resumes. Most people don't have a mermaid tail to start out. Mm. So I will rent them gear uh, with the expectation that if they try this and they like it, they are going to purchase their own. You do not have to purchase an extremely expensive piece of equipment like what I've brought here to share today, which we'll talk about. There are lots of affordable options. This is, um, we have different sort of tiers of costumes for different things. Mm -hmm. And if you want to get started with an inexpensive model and you're doing kids parties and you really take off and you, and you want to go that direction, that's something you can do. But I want everybody. Um, you do not, uh, please don't feel limited to being cisgendered. We've had trans folk on our team before. I have um, clients that are children that are non-binary and they're amazed when they get to meet a merfolk who's non-binary. Okay, know? <laughs> okay, okay, okay. So, I mean, you can't say the um, complete, I guess, protocol and process of a training session? Oh, I can, yeah, I can sort of tell you what we do for training, yeah. Um, so the, if the person is not experienced in a mermaid tale, which is typically what happens. But, yeah, I mean. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> occasionally we do. So just to paint you a picture, okay, this yeah. is a lot bigger of an industry in the United States. Oh. If, I was, if I was running my business in the United States, it would probably be highly competitive for auditions. People would have their own tales come in and they would already have have some experience mm. as a mermaid. Here in Nova Scotia, we don't get that. And in most of this side of Canada, we, we don't get that. Mm. People don't tend to have experience. If you do, that is fantastic. Mm. Like, I want you for sure. Uh, but if you don't, I can teach you. Like I said, my, my concern is more the personality. So the first thing we do is I would teach them to swim in the tail, which can take a number of sessions. And we do that in an environment that makes them feel safe, makes them feel um, like they have some self-control over things. We do goggles. We do whatever you need to feel comfortable. Getting to the point of looking like it's easy takes mm. time. It takes time and it's okay. And then once you've had some experience swimming, uh, we'll start getting people to shadow us at birthday parties and different gigs because there's there's dry gigs where you don't have to swim, where you're just putting on a costume and um, you're you're sitting. We have a mermaid tank, which is really great. It's a traveling aquarium, and we do that for like Canada Day for HRM. That's a really nice one as well because instead of being in a big giant pool or in an aquarium, you're in a tank and you can control, you know, pop up for air really easily. You're, you're not going to drown. Like it's like a being in a bathtub except people can see through it. So. <laughs> uh, so there's all these different things. So the first thing I would do is just make sure someone feels safe. I would train them to swim, train them to feel comfortable underwater, mm. learning to swim with your feet together. It takes some time. And there's usually a switch that flips in someone's brain once they've done it a few times. So mm. you tend to be your own worst enemy when you're first learning to swim. And then the 
switch flips and all of a sudden it's second nature. <laughs> you can do it. You can do it. Um, so we train that. We train working with the children. And because we work with children, we do need folks to do um, background checks. And yeah. Everything. Oh, my yeah. God. I've had to do that thing. It's kind of like. Hmm. Yeah, but yeah. It makes sense. Why yeah, it, has it can to be, be quite done. invasive, but it is. It is a. It's not an us requirement. It's an it's, industry requirement yeah. for working with children yeah. because we do things like uh, Make a Wish Foundation, and we go into hospitals and we mm. spend time with vulnerable children, and we need to know that people are safe. That's not to say that if something comes up on your check that I won't hire you. Um, we obviously use our discretion um, with situations. I understand people do dumb things when they're teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's just I, I, I try to give people a chance. We really just want people with the right kind of personality. I need to see the potential that you are somebody that, okay, this person doesn't have a tail, they can't swim, but they've got the right attitude, mm. they're very kind, they're very they're very um, entertaining as a person, so mm. I can build them up. Like, that's my job, to build you up and give you the tools you need. Um, you know, Caitlin, when Caitlin started swimming, uh, I took her for a photo shoot and she was terrified under the water, and I just kept saying to her, you're going to be fine. I'm not going to let you drown. I just want you to focus on feeling calm and relaxed and just know that I've got your back and, and you're going to be okay. And you know what? Within like minutes, she just came into her own and just looked incredibly beautiful and ethereal mm. and looked like she'd been a mermaid her whole life, you know? Mm. And I find that that is very much what happens for people. Um, I have this young merman, Gregory, who works for me. He's 21 years old. He's been following my career since he was 10. <laughs> and I invited him a few years ago, so he would have been 19. I invited him to my birthday. This is during the pandemic. We had rented a hotel space so that we could have pool access for my birthday, like private pool access. And mm. I said, Gregory, you know, just come on out and come swim with everybody. I saw that boy swim for like five seconds and I was like, okay, you have to work for me, obviously. <laughs> he was so good. He was just so good. And he has ended up being, even though he's so young and mm. so new to this, he is so professional and just so skilled and every little like nugget of wisdom I give him, he takes it and extrapolates and just grows and he's so, so good. So mm. everybody has that potential, you know, like you work with me, I'll work with you. We just need to have that mutual respect and, and it's good. So, wow. yeah. Okay. So let's talk about this then. Yeah. This is not what, this is not orange, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> so what is, I guess, the process of like what is it is, is rubber yeah so this mermaid tail i have mermaid tails in a variety of materials depending on the kind of work i'm doing this is something i would use for filming a movie or a music video or a tv show mm -hmm. uh, i did a film not too long ago called um welcome alanwa salon oh, and, oh yeah. i know it <laughs> yes, i know yeah. it I'm, that so, was you yeah that's me it was in one of my different outfits so um, it was like it's a beautiful film yeah it, it's about a, a syrian refugee mm. who comes and she's uh placed in saint margaret's bay she's very lonely she doesn't speak english yet and she meets a mermaid who also doesn't speak English. <laughs> I speak mermish, is what we call it. And uh, and they fall in love. And they have, uh, we, we did, it was so beautiful filming. We did amazing underwater footage. Uh, Sophia, the actress, is just a stellar, wonderful human being and was so brave when I trained her underwater. So so I would use a rubber costume for, for something like that because it has that ultra-realistic look and mm. feel. But there are some trade-offs. What I've got here is about 60 pounds. It is heavy. It is heavy. Yeah, and it's uh, it. Uh, we were joking earlier that it attracts everything, so all the dirt and the cat hair and dust is stuck to it. Uh, the big, this big part here, which um, listeners can imagine as the uh, where the feet go for the mermaid, is called a fluke. So this is based on Ooh. animals. So uh, a whale has a fluke, a dolphin has a fluke, yeah, a seal yeah, like has the, a fluke. The, the little tail thing. Yeah, yeah. So this is the fluke, and inside the fluke would be the fin that we talked about, the mono fin. And there are foot pockets that my feet go into, and the fluke is where I get all the power from. This, so different materials will give you a different type so of swim. The bigger is, it is, the better is it is. Not necessarily. Okay. Yeah, the big. Uh, if it's really big and it's made of say fabric, it can look very beautiful and flowy underwater, but there can be a lot of drag. So it slows you down. There's not a lot of power. Mm -hmm. For something 
that is stiffer. So some, my fin that I have here is quite flexible mm -hmm. and it's very rubbery and uh, it, it, it can bend. So it's sort of in the middle. It gives me a nice push, but when you're looking at it underwater, it has a nice flow. It's got mm. this very realistic flow. If I wanted something to be very strong, I'm looking for something more performance oriented when I'm in an aquarium. I need something strong because I have to swim up and down quickly. I would have a fin inside made of fiberglass and that's stiffer and very fast, very, very fast. So when I do, um, there's an aquarium at Dalhousie University. They hire me sometimes when the aquarium's empty to, to be in it for different public events so that there's something interesting. Mm. And that is ocean water, it's cold, and it's very deep, so if I want to get down and up quickly, I need a strong fin. And if I want to be making fast turns near the glass so people can see me, it has to be a, a fast fin. If I'm in my little aquarium, my little my mermaid tank that I drive around places, I'm not swimming. I'm just posing and, mm. and, and kind of playing with the kids. So it doesn't matter what I'm using in that. Something flowy and bendy that can kind of squish in there is great, right? <laughs> so, yeah. um, the tails tend to have some ornamental features because they look beautiful in the water. So this mm. one happens to have heel fins. It also kind of doubles as a disguise because when my feet are in the costume, there are little bumps where my heels are. Oh. So having the fins over top yeah. just makes it yeah, look yeah, a little yeah. more realistic, mm -hmm. you know? Um, the, the silicone rubber is molded to have scales. So there are these beautiful fish scales. It's painted with a highly pigmented paint and an airbrush. And I came up with this design and had one of my friends uh, digitally draw it and we gave it to the artist who sculpted oh. and made it. So from the fluke, we have sort of the body part of the tail. If you can imagine it like a skirt uh, connected to the, the fluke, it's a tube that goes up over my legs. And that's got, again, beautiful painting patterns. It is insane though. It is huge, 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 yeah. huge, 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 huge. Can hear the rubber there. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it's a custom paint job that I came up with this design. And um, I was actually really influenced by lobsters. I really like uh, the color of, of lobs lobsters' shells, and that's kind of where this color came from. Mm -hmm. And we've got this dorsal fin, which doesn't really do anything for the oh. actual swimming. Okay, I was it, trying to ask if it he looks does. Cool. It he looks does cool. look cool. Yeah, it looks cool in the water, and it moves on its own, which adds to the realism. And inside the tail is the same material for a wetsuit, so it keeps me warm. Uh. Uh, and even though this tail is quite heavy, the wetsuit material is buoyant, so it creates something called neutral buoyancy underwater. It'll keep me from completely sinking, but I can't easily float either, so I'm sort of just neutral. Mm. Um, and that's what you want for mermaid swimming, because you want to be able to go up and down at your own ease. So. Wow. Yeah, and it's um it's a lot of work, these big it's heavy ones. It's expensive, right? Yes, this, <laughs> this one is expensive. So is this like the t top... Yeah, okay. yeah, this is the top tier. And again, I've been doing this for 14 years. You can't, unless you are made of money, you can't have the expectation, okay? Like this was like a tax return and right, like selling like an right. arm. Like, <laughs> like uh, I'm not saying that this is accessible because it's not. Um, and this is my job and I needed to invest in things like this. Um, but that doesn't mean that people shouldn't be able to have a mermaid experience. If you can um, save up $100, there are mermaid tails online for $100 that mm. you can learn to swim in. And then if you do gigs and you make money and you want to invest, you can do that. But I would like to see it um, be accessible for, for everybody who wants to try it, you mm. know? Uh, we brought my, my baby's um, mer merman tail here. He's got a, a whole variety of these. So uh, I dealt with infertility, which is something I shared on my Instagram. And the artist who made my tail, when I announced my pregnancy was successful with my son, River, I had had many losses before him. And when I finally came public with it, in the mail, I received one of these that matches this silicone tail. And it just kind of came as a little surprise. And he said, that's for your baby. Wow. So when my baby was born and in the IWK, I, I put it on him like a little blanket. <laughs> and he was so tiny. And now he's a year old and he's got like 10 of them and he wears them and plays with them and loves mm. them. And it's so cute because we can kind of do the mummy and son things. Yeah. I love that. No, I mean, the pictures of you and him on your Instagram is amazing. Oh, I love, I love it. it. I love, love it. it. And he seems to really love it too. And if, if as he grows 
grows, he's not interested, then we'll stop doing it. That's mm. fine. But I love sharing it with him. It's really, mm. really wonderful. We actually just went in May to a mermaid convention in California. Oh. So, you know, when you see things oh, like yeah, Comic-Con. Oh, yeah, you said it's big, it's big there. Yeah, the yeah, US. yeah. So when you see things like Comic-Con and stuff like this. So this is just for mermaids. And mermaids from all over the world come. And we're able to do, like, training and work with underwater photographers and socialize with each other. Mm. We took my son River to that and he was a huge hit. <laughs> he was a huge hit. So he's more popular than me. He was on the news. Uh, we filmed with an Oscar winning um, producer director and, nice. and River was there like doing that and I'm just like, geez, kid, you know? I've, I've spent years on my social media and, and the, that you know, the second I put River on there, it's just like, Psh. yeah. <laughs> so. Oh my gosh. Okay, so you know, you've taken us on this journey and we're here now. And something that happened recently was Disney came out with like a remake of The Little Mermaid. And I'm so excited. <laughs> I like the internet lo lost its mind because The Mermaid is black now. Yes. And I was wondering, I mean, you've been doing this for a while. Like, what is your take on it? Yeah, well, first of all, like I said, um, children deserve to see themselves. And having a new iteration of The Little Mermaid does not take away all the older iterations of The Little Mermaid we had. Nobody is taking away your white Ariel. She's still there. Mm. You know, I grew up with her. She's lovely. Um, so this is just yet another one. And if it doesn't appeal to you, then it's not for you. And that's okay. Not everything is for you. It, it, it's for the millions of, of kids that are going to love seeing her and as we've seen from the viral videos yes. of children reacting yeah you know, i saw that video it was insane i have a i have a friend who's japanese and she does uh an aerial cosplay and the amount of asian children who just lose their mind when they see her as a japanese aerial is just amazing and why are fairy tales not for everybody? Why, why, I mean, they're, first of all, they're not real. Mermaids aren't real. I hate to break it to you. <laughs> I'm as real as you're going to get. Why does somebody else get to dictate how we get to imagine? You know, mm. they're not real. Um, I hear the excuses like, oh, well, we just want it to be like the original story. Well, in the original story, she's green. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, and if, uh, and if you really want to go back, Hans Christian Andersen, and, and I know this because I, researched this and I've published three books about mermaids, mermaid life, working as a mermaid, mermaid history. And uh, he was inspired by stories from Africa. And when I was researching the very first mermaid that there's ever any evidence of in terms of storytelling, sculptures, art is Atargis. And she is Assyrian. So she's not white either, guys. <laughs> it's actually white mermaids are fairly new when you look at the culture and history of mermaids. Mermaids predate stories of angels and, and, and everything. So mermaids I have found tend to be in every culture. So in Canada, the Mi'kmaq have a mermaid, Sabawelanu. She is um, a mermaid that they would bring her shiny objects and she would forecast the weather and tell mm. them if uh, the uh, the harvest was going to be good. So we have Sabawelanu with the Mi'kmaq, who's existed as long as Mi'kmaq people. Mm. We have Sedna of the Inuit up north. And she is this mermaid who gets into an argument with her dad while she's out in her boat. She falls into the ocean and becomes the queen of all the Arctic animals. And she has beautiful Inuit facial tattoos. Gorgeous mm. art. If you, if you look up Sedna, there's so many gorgeous Inuit carvings. She's, I mean, mermaids are everywhere. There are um, Japanese mermaids, Chinese mermaids, Hindu mermaids, and, and mermen, and, and, and merfolk as well. I often hear um, people who are really into mermaids will say like, oh, well, you have knees. Well, I'm sorry, I have knees. I'm a human being wearing a costume. <laughs> but like, it is a comment I get a lot. If something goes viral, they say, well, you have knees. And I'm like, well, Atargis, like the first mermaid, has legs. So there you go. <laughs> um, this, the Starbucks mermaid is based off of Melusine, which is, she's got two mermaid tails instead of one. So mm. they're, they're everywhere. And some of the African mermaid myths are things that I gravitated to when I was going through infertility 
fertility because some of those mermaid myths are goddesses of, of fertility. Yes, so, yes. So Yamea is one that I read a lot about. And in some iterations of her story, you know, she is a goddess of fertility and birthing mothers. And so when I was really struggling, I was reading everything I could about Yamea and just the beautiful stories and the artwork and just anything I could get my hands on. I was really loving that. Whereas um, in Japan, if you catch a Ningo, which is a, a Japanese mermaid, it's a sign of a tsunami, so you better throw her back. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and in Russia, they have Ruthalka, and she will kidnap your children. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> so, so, you know, um, Hallie being this mermaid, first of all, she sounds amazing. I can't tell you how, but I was able to, just because of my mermaid work, I got to see the entirety of her singing Part of Your World. And I think a lot of the naysayers are going to shut up once they see this, because first of all, it's filmed beautifully. She's amazing. Her singing is amazing. She embodies the mermaid. Mm -hmm. So I think a lot of naysayers will stop when, when they hear that. But Really, um, I'm annoyed that it's even a thing that we have to talk about in mm. today's day and age, but it is. And, um, you know, mermaids are for everybody. So deal mm. with it. <laughs> <laughs> I need the sunglasses from that meme. Deal with it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You mentioned free diving, and I'm not going to let you go without talking about sure. that. Like that's So there's, there's this lady that kind of, I think it's a lady that has the world record of like the free diving. She's like... It's crazy because, yeah. you know, I mean, some like walk me through it. How do you even get into it? Sure. So I actually helped form the Halifax Freediving Club because we had no way of getting training in Nova Scotia and oh. uh, a bunch of us who were very interested in it. My interest came from mermaiding. I wanted the training so I could be safe underwater. Mm. And a lot of freediving is about holding your breath safely, what to do in an emergency, how to save someone if you're both underwater and that person drowns. So that's different than lifeguarding because with lifeguarding, you're looking down, but with freediving, you're both underwater. So it took a while for us to get enough people and to pitch in the money to fly an instructor down here from Montreal, but we did get a large number of us certified. I had been doing training with some peers for years, and my focus is not on depth. So freediving is about holding your breath and going down as deep as you can and coming back up safely. Mm -hmm. There are world records for the depth, there are world records for the breath holding, and then world records for the two together. I think the, the longest uh, breath hold on record is something like 23 minutes, which is crazy. Insane. And just as a little aside, the new Avatar movie is coming out, yeah. and Sigourney Weaver holds her breath in that movie for seven minutes. She is in her 70s, and she took freediving training for this film and learned to do that. Kate Winslet can do six, so crazy. Um, <sighs> I took this training. I was practicing. My husband and I took it together. Uh, we're taking turns safetying each other. So I'm diving down and he's watching me and I'm faking like blacking out and he's saving me. This training has come in so handy. I have to tell you, when you are holding your breath underwater, you risk something called uh, an underwater blackout. This is when the carbon builds up in your blood and you're not breathing in and out enough to get get it out of your body and your brain makes you faint to sort of reset your breathing system. And everybody has a different capacity for how long they can go before that happens. Mm. But we do have a certain amount of residual air that's in our body when we're not breathing that keeps us safe. And free diving is sort of about increasing your capacity for that residual air. Mm. And it's not dependent on your lung size. I was born premature and I have stunted small lungs and I can hold my breath for three and a half minutes. Now, when I did my course and I went to do my testing, I did two and a half minutes on that test. This is a few years ago. I've improved since then. So proud of myself because I worked for years at it. My husband, tries it for the first time, gets two minutes. <laughs> the jerk. The, the audacity. <laughs> After I've done all this training. But like, I mean, I'm thinking, I'm going to think, if he, like, he has to be in there longer than you, though. 
Right? Most of the time. Like, he is. He's, <laughs> he's going down and taking pictures, exactly. which is why we did it, right? So it's just so frustrating, though, that I've done all this training, <laughs> and then he just waltzes in. So so for us, for, for the Halifax Mermaid team, we don't focus as much on depth. Mm. Uh, that is something that a lot of people do competitively, and uh, it is scary. People do drown and, and do blackout, and it's amazing. There's usually a rope on yeah, an anchor, yeah, yeah. you know, and you follow the rope down. Um, Ooh, scary so I, I did have to do that for my training in the ocean and I had this beautiful moment where I got as deep as I could go and it wasn't very deep because I couldn't get my ears to pop and I kind of had this discouraging moment where I was like, okay, I'm not going to be able to, to get to this depth. So I turned myself around and I'm getting ready to come up and my, my instructor is making eye contact with me. I've given him the signal I'm going up and all of a sudden a huge shoal of fish envelopes us and oh, we wow. just we looked at each other and we just had this little moment of smiling because it was just like we're in another world all of a sudden we're mm. just completely enveloped a lot of people like free diving instead of snorkeling because there's no bubbles there's no noise it doesn't disrupt the animals and you can kind of peacefully look around their neighborhood without without <laughs> bothering them which i love i go into saint margaret's bay i'm no deeper than 10 or 12 feet and i'm just diving down diving up diving down and like being nosy like oh look there's a lobster there's a squid. <laughs> like it's so fun i love yeah. it um but for the halifax mermaid side we do free diving as a way to keep each other safe so when one person is underwater there's another person with their goggles watching this person and if they need help they ditch whatever they've got and they dive down and they grab the person so we're mm. constantly uh, using a buddy system. Mm. Being able to hold my breath so long has also helped me in situations of emergency. So when I was filming Welcome Alanwa Salon, I was filming so many hours. You get dehydrated when you're in the water and you don't realize you're dehydrated and you get leg cramps. So I was diving down as a mermaid and I had a scuba diver who was my safety. He's watching me and we had a signal, put your hands on your head if you if you need help because I wouldn't normally do that underwater. So if I did that, he knew I needed help. So I'm upside down, I'm trying to hit the mark. There's an X underwater. I'm like uh, 15 feet underwater and I hit the X and I, I go to turn around to come up and I get the worst leg cramp and I'm in a mermaid tail. So I can't mm. move my leg at all. So immediately I go, I, I can't turn myself around. I'm suspended completely upside down. So I put my hands on my head and I reminded myself, you can hold your breath for three minutes. You're okay. It's been like two seconds. <laughs> You're okay. Stay calm. And, you know, two seconds later, the diver's got me. He's turned me around. He's brought me to the surface and he's made sure I'm okay. So, mm. so that's why we do the free diving. I, I don't do it competitively. Um, there are mermaids who do amazing competitive stuff um, mm. that's not my shtick but mm. it's really cool and uh, it's it's an extreme sport but it's also there is a degree of meditation and calmness that comes with it and that is the part that appeals to me mm. when I'm underwater um, I have ADHD so I get very overstimulated and when I'm underwater all that extra stimulation is gone I kind of just focus on my heartbeat I'm calm I'm centered I'm dropped in mm. and the type of breathing that you do to be able to free dive is very similar to breathing that you do for meditation so it really kind of calms your body down mm -hmm. i'm not a very calm person i'm pretty busy <laughs> <laughs> so this this is like my little meditation i love it oh man this has been an interesting chat i'm just having a wonderful time oh wait wait, wait. before i let you go um i mean you know you've done all these things what are some things you kind of have in the pipeline coming yeah yeah so there's um there's a lot of different groups that have interest in a tv show um i don't know if that'll pan out or not but i would love to ha have a tv show that follows us around at some of our events and gigs and shows the behind the scenes uh, i think there's some really beautiful amazing stuff that would inspire other people mm. i would really like to do my own podcast someday when i can find time for it because there's just so many interesting things that come out of the mermaid industry, again, from that behind the scenes perspective mm -hmm. that I feel, I mean, I'm, I've shared a little fraction of my life with you. Some of my peers, their stories are crazy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, I like, I know a woman who like swam with great white sharks for National Geographic. Like no. that, right? Like, no, <laughs> <that's>... nope. <laughs> right. But these are stories I want to tell. I know, I know mermaids who have gone um, for activism work and swam with like uh, whales and felt the whale song through their body. Like mm. I want to share those stories. So at some point in my life, I would really like to kind of settle down maybe when I'm doing less gigs myself 
and do a podcast. I think that would be really nice. Mm. And I really would just love the opportunity to do more traveling and swimming in my tail on a personal level, not necessarily doing Poor. events and gigs. Um, like I'd love to go to Hawaii and experience Hawaii with my mermaid tail. Just get out in the water in a safe environment and just see the nature, experience the local culture. Mm. Before the pandemic, I went to Mexico and I swam in the cenotes with my mermaid tail. And it was just life-changing. It was such a beautiful experience. I've also swam uh, in Florida and I got a tattoo to remind me of this. I was filming for a movie in Florida and I was in the springs in my mermaid tail and a mother manatee and her babies came up to me and they were oh, touching wow. my tail and like nibbling on my hair and I felt like accepted into their little manatee community <laughs> <laughs> and it was just like I would never have these experiences mm. otherwise. As a mermaid I often say that we are a bridge from the natural world of the ocean to the modern day world so when you look at the word mermaid you can break it up mer means of of the ocean of the sea and maid is uh, like a woman a servant so I'm a servant of the sea and when I am just me as a person talking to people without the mermaid component and I'm saying you know you really should care about this thing that's going on in the ocean mm. yeah okay but when I am mermaid Reina and I am speaking to children or even to adults they are seeing me as a representative of the ocean even though we all know I'm in a costume it's just it's kind of bridging that gap and it's a power it's like a superpower and it's, you know, it's just great. Something <laughs> that also came up is like, I mean, because, uh, you know, the environment is something that is really, really important to you and climate change. And then we just had the storm the other time. I'm like, it's kind of weird that when we have just crazy storm systems like that and just how things are changing with the climate and people are still denying it. Yeah, it's really, um, it's really sad that people deny the realities of what are going on in our world. And I have an opportunity to change that by instilling these things in children. So because I've been doing this for 14 years, I will meet adults who saw me as a five-year-old or a 10-year-old, you know, and I'm getting direct feedback from them about the things I taught them. I will, for World Oceans Day, I go to the Maritime Museum of the Atlantic and I put on workshops for children, very young children, preschool age. And we talk about littering and recycling and composting. We talk about plastic pollution and how it gets into the ocean. We talk about drift nets. And then I try to empower them so that they can walk away with something they can tangibly do. Mm. Because all of these problems are so overwhelming and it's not gonna come from you and me fixing it. We can only control what we can control. A lot of it are these huge corporations that, that we need to vote. You know, we have to get out and exercise our right to vote and, and we have to put pressure on these corporations that are creating the majority of the pollution, the majority of the issues. Uh, the exploitation, you know? Uh, but when you have this little preschooler and you're talking about something as scary as climate change, you want to empower them so that they walk away knowing there's something they can do. And if mm. that's as simple as conserving energy and recycling and just making recycling cool and stuff like that, um, you know, I've had them come back to me. I just ran into some in their 20s that they're going to Dal and one's a marine biologist. <laughs> <laughs> one's going for marine biology but uh, you know one kid was just like you know because of you like mm. I was always chasing my parents telling them to turn the lights off and don't leave the water running and mm. make sure you put this in the compost and then when we went to the beach we would pick up garbage and and they're like 20 telling me that they did this mm. so all I can do is keep putting that out there and mm. and hoping that it 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 makes a difference my um, the, the last thing I'll share is just that this woman that inspires me, Sylvia Earle, she is a 93-year-old National Geographic explorer, and uh, she is one of the first uh, women marine biologists, and she lived in a submarine and did all kinds of crazy stuff. She came here a few years ago, and uh, again, a highlight in my career was getting to meet her, perform for her, speak to her. I asked her, this is so overwhelming. What is the one thing that we can do that's going to make a difference? Like, what can we walk away today and make a difference? And she said, harness your talent and your interest and just find a connection through that. So for you, podcasting, you're providing a platform for people to talk about issues that are important. You can't fix all these issues, but you've now created this space. Mm. And who knows the impact that's going to have on people, you know? And for me, it's my two degrees with children that I didn't end up getting to do a whole lot of teaching with. And I'm using all those skills with my love of mermaids in the ocean 
to target kids and help empower them towards play, imagination, and healthy skills, and the environment. Wow. It's, you, know, you actually preempted me because I was going to say, you know, if someone was like, oh, man, you know, Raina has gone and taken this thing that changed her life and turned it into a business and, you know, it's making it like what advice would you give to that person? I think you already said that. Yeah, take the thing. Take it. And, and don't be intimidated if you don't have a business background. Halifax has a lot of free services available to uh, get the training you need. Um, capital can be tricky. Uh and, and I'm not saying it's not like uh, I have privilege. The two things are one that I, I won that grant, which was just felt like dumb luck. <laughs> and the other is that my husband was in a space where he could support my dream. Um, it's not easy. It's really not easy to get the capital going. But there are grants and programs out there. You have to be persistent and mm -hmm. keep at it. And sometimes it takes years uh, to pay off. I mean, I had been mermaiding for years before I got that grant in 2015. Mm -hmm. um, the other thing is, uh, in terms of what I do specifically, I create resources on how other people can have a mermaid business or a business similar where you're in the arts. So I have a YouTube, um, Reina the Mermaid, where I give tutorials on literally everything I do. I've published three books about it called Fishy Business, and they're on my website, and it's all about everything. Like I've got templates for building contracts. I've got um, advice on talking to clients, uh, different uh, things that you can do at a pool party. <laughs> like there's everything in there that you can do. Uh, and finally, I do run a Patreon where when time allows for both parties, I offer one-to-one -one mentoring. So Ooh. just to kind of share what I'm doing. I've always been the kind of person that once I learn how to do something, I immediately want to share it with other people so that they can do it too. Mm. And it's with everything, whether it's coping with my chronic illness, being a mother, dealing with infertility or mermaid work. Like mm. I just want to, I want to pass it on and, and, and lift other people up with me so we can do it together. Freak, that's amazing. <laughs> that's amazing. I knew this chat was going to be interesting, but now I have way more questions. So I'm just going to have to ask if we could do this again. Yeah, I'd love <laughs> okay, to. Okay. But for now, I just want to say thank you so much for sharing and bringing this amazing looking. We're going to let them hear it. <laughs> <laughs> thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. It's wonderful. Best fishes. Mm -hmm.